The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode. For additional details, must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome in. It is a Wednesday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Jastrzemski. And I'm not going to lie to you, folks. I thought we were going to be posting this podcast, which is going to have so much football stuff. Daniel Jones, Peter King, look ahead to Giant Commander, look ahead to the Jets and their big stretch coming up in like the early evening hours. That went out the window when the rumblings regarding Carlos Correa started to give you a lot of smoke and a lot of substance that maybe just maybe Uncle Stevie was going to go and do it again. And even though the Mets spent a gazillion dollars this offseason from Verland to Senga to Quintana to bring it back Nimmo, that they were going to get their big power bat and said, be damned with the luxury tax, we're going to do it. Even if the practicality of another big contract seemed outrageous, you couldn't rule it out from a Mets standpoint because of the way this owner has acted. And I applaud him for doing so. He plays to win. He does not care about a luxury tax. You threw in the WBC Puerto Rican ties with Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor. And you could connect the dots somewhat to seeing that the Mets were involved. 
There was also a possibility that the athletic story that came out around 10 o'clock this evening was a negotiating ploy from Scott Boris to up the ante for the Minnesota Twins to up the ante for the San Francisco Giants. Well, the Giants, who missed out on Aaron Judge, they get their guy, Correa, 13-year, $350 million contract, the fourth largest guarantee in Major League history for Correa behind Trout, Betts, and Judge. The Yankees were never in a million years going to do that. The Mets decide not to. The Giants were far more desperate. And now Carlos Correa will play out on the West Coast and will easily be the most popular player in San Francisco. They are going to adore him. He's going to love playing in that city. They are dying for somebody to embrace. They got their guy. So interesting night. Far more interesting, quite frankly, than I thought it was going to be from a baseball perspective. Correa, now a giant. You're waiting on Rodon with the Yankees. The Yankees want him. I think Rodon wants the Yankees, but I think he wants the seventh year more than he wants the Yankees. And look, I don't love giving Rodon seven years, but I would do it. The Yankees are desperate. They have to have a different feel to their team than what they had a year ago in the ALCS against the Astros. And this, to me, is a creative way to do so. Go and get yourself a big-time starting pitcher to put with Cole and Nesta Cortez and Luis Severino. So I hope that we're talking about Carlos Rodon or Rodon. However the hell you say his name, we'll find out in the next couple of days. But I want him as a New York Yankee. Now, the matter at hand. We have a lot of football on this podcast. Daniel Jones is going to join us. Peter King is going to join us. And the Giants season, let's make this clear. It's feel good no matter what. I had no expectations going into the year. I think most of you had no expectations going into the year. But now you face this game against Washington after the humbling, after the beatdown you took against the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's pretty simple to me. You win this game, you got a great chance to make the playoffs. You lose this game, you got to wonder if the Giants are going to win another game all year. Even with Indianapolis on the schedule. The talent and lack thereof is so obvious, is so eye-opening on so many different fronts in so many different ways. Saquon Barkley's not the guy he was early in the year. The defense, without Adoree Jackson, without Xavier McKinney, they are weak in the secondary. And now Daniel Jones will get an opportunity to do something that he's done pretty well throughout his career. He's played really well against Washington. Now, the Giants have been awful in the division this year. The Giants tied Washington two weeks ago. Let's be honest, they should have won the game. Couldn't make the big stop on fourth down. Wonky play calls in overtime, playing for the tie. Well, now you got your chance to go and make a statement on Sunday Night Football. It's a very interesting opportunity. But we'll have the giant quarterback starts in a matter of moments. The more appealing game, though, this week, it's not even close. And who in their right mind would have thought at the beginning of the year that the Jets and the Lions would be like the marquee game of the 1 o'clock window? You could make the argument it's the marquee game of Sunday, for that matter. The Lions are red hot. If they win this game against the Jets, they're thinking about going to the postseason. The Jets, hey, seven and six. The way I see it in the AFC, it's four teams for two spots. I think we could all agree. Buffalo, Kansas City, whoever wins the 
woeful AFC South and the two teams in the North because of their records, Cincy and Baltimore. I think all five of those teams are in. That leaves you Miami, the Chargers, the Jets, the Pats. Four teams for two spots. The more and more I think about it, the more and more likely I think that it is that Week 18, the Jets and the Dolphins, I think it's going to come down to that final game of the year, and I think it's going to come down to a playoff spot. I was hoping everybody was going to make the playoffs. That was my hope about three weeks ago. I was like, get the Jets in, get the Dolphins in, get the Giants in, and everybody's happy. Now, the two local teams and the team that I root for, they all have legitimate paths in. They all have very reasonable paths out. Jets, to me, have to find a way to go 3-1 in the next four games. I don't think 9-8 and eight is going to get you in. I think you got to find your way to 10. Now, is it 10 and a win over the Miami Dolphins? We'll, we'll find out about that. We'll see how the tiebreakers look in a week from now or two weeks from now when you start doing your math and your permutations and all that stuff. But the here and now, get three of the next four, but it starts Sunday against Detroit. And it's amazing. You never in a million years thought Detroit and Jacksonville was going to be a tricky part of the schedule. And I'm not saying the Jets should lose either one of these games. It's basically a pick them against the Lions. And I bet when they play Jacksonville, Jets will probably be a three, three and a half point favorite, give or take. But they're not easy games. They're not easy games in any way. And we'll see what the status of Mike White's going to be. I expect them to play. We'll see what the status of Quinn Williams is going to be. That's a big deal. Best player on the defense. That's a big loss if he can't go Sunday. But golf, sub-40 degree temperatures. Lions and how they travel on the road in frigid temperatures. It's a really, really entertaining game. I can't wait for the Lions and the Jets on Sunday. Can't freaking wait. So we have a lot of football on this podcast to get to. Daniel Jones is going to join us. Peter King, who I love having on the show. We'll have some fun with Peter. Running around all the ins and outs around the league. I do want to quietly commend the two basketball locals who have been kind of under the radar here. They've been under the radar because we've had so much going on. The Grom, Verland, the Judge, two football teams trying to make the playoffs. It's been on the back burner a little bit. The Knicks are back over 500. They got a big day from Barrett the other day. Randall, I gave him a lot of crap last year. He deserved it. So far, he has played much better. I want to applaud him for that. Knicks over 500. Chicago, the next two games, they're not any good. This is a team you should go and beat. I think you're going to hear a lot of trade rumblings involving these two teams, especially if Chicago looks to sell off. That means Levine, DeRozan, something to think about. Where exactly that gets the Knicks, who knows? But I do think you'll hear those rumblings in the next few weeks. And I got to give the Nets credit, too. You know, the Nets, and listen, I was asked this question on SOY the other night. Are they a championship contender? I'm not, I'm not there yet. But I was at the point with the Nets like a month ago where I thought they were blowing the whole thing up. Kyrie acting like an ass. Durant, does he want to be here? They fire Nash. And listen, quietly, they've put together a really good stretch of basketball. Durant and Irving have played really well. They've kind of figured it out under Jock Vaughn. Good for them. They've stabilized their season. I need to see more before I'm talking about the Nets and championship in the same sentence. But we wanted our basketball locals to, dare I say, get back on track. To their credit, they've done exactly that. So I wanted to point that out as we get ready for more action coming up later on this week. Big Show, DJ, Peter King, 
Look ahead to Thursday. We got you covered every which way. Quarterback of the New York Football Giants is next. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. (sighs) Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. We now welcome in the quarterback of the New York football giants, Daniel Jones. Rough one on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles, but got to turn the page quickly. Monster Sunday night game coming up against the Washington Commanders. DJ, what's happening, dude? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. JJ, how you doing? DJ, we're doing all right, man. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a good Sunday for you. It wasn't a good Sunday for me. It really was a lousy New York football Sunday, and then my Dolphins lose on Sunday night. So I was in a pissy mood all Monday. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure that many in that giant locker room can relate. I, I got to ask this right out of the gate. Look, any loss sucks. We understand that. Like, I, I know you guys as athletes, you're not going to feel good if you lose by one. You're not going to lose feel good if you lose by 20 or 30. However. When you lose a game like you guys did to the Eagles, where it kind of just felt like you were outplayed from Jump Street, is it easier to digest the film and look at what needs to be done differently, knowing the performance was the way it was? Is it tougher watching that sort of film? Or is it tougher watching a game that like you lose with a game-ending field goal where it feels like you should have won the game? Like, Or is there no difference for you? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say there's a difference. I, I definitely don't think, uh, just cause you, yeah, a game like that, I don't think it's any, any easier to take, but, you know, I think we were all, uh, pretty disappointed and frustrated with how we played and, and how it, um, uh, how it turned out, uh, Sunday. So yeah, I don't think it's any easier for sure. I don't think either one, you know, losing, losing anyways, isn't fun. And I don't think, you know, any of them are, are easier to take, but you know, the reality is we've got to move on. We've got to um, learn what we what we can from the tape. And, um, you know, we've got a huge game coming up this week. So uh, to waste any energy or time uh, feeling sorry for ourselves or, or uh, you know, you know, letting that linger into into this week would be a mistake for us. So I think guys understand that. And we're, we're ready to go. DJ, that's the sort of game on Sunday where, like, if we were talking about Madden a few weeks ago, that's one, like, at 21 nothing. you're like, bam, can I – can I do this over? Can I like hit the reset button? But for you, you know, you're playing the position and you're down in the game and it could be very easy to say, you know, F it. I- I'm going to force the ball down the field, even if it's not there. I need to get quick strikes, even if it's not there. And it felt like you did a really good job of just going through progressions, taking care of the football, taking what the Philadelphia Eagles were giving you. And you found a way to somewhat get back into the football game, even though it didn't go according to plan in the fourth quarter. For you as a quarterback, you get into an early hole like that. Is it tough to kind of stay with your progressions? Is it tough to kind of continue to take what the defense has given you, just knowing the situation and knowing what the scoreboard's telling you? Or you just say, hey, I got to do a job. We got to look at it where I got to, if I got to go 12, 13 plays down the field, so be it. That's what it's got to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think each each game is different from that sense, and and to uh, how you can play it. I think um, 
you know, a, a uh, playing quarterback, uh, making some of those decisions, you know, I don't, I don't think you want to be, um, you know, you can't get emotional in that sense and, and you got to continue to execute and, uh, in a game like that, I mean, what's going to kill you or, or turnovers and, and, and mistakes. And, um, you know, that's how you're really going to take yourself out of the game. I think we've seen, uh, throughout this season where we've gotten down in games, we've gotten, you know, down two scores late in the game and, uh, we find a way to come back and win because, um, you know, we don't, uh, we don't hurt ourselves in some of those situations. So with the ball in your hands and just the nature of playing the position, you, you know, you're responsible for some of those decisions and, and you can't really afford to, um, you know, turn the ball over, make bad decisions or, you know, as long as you keep doing that and in most situations, you'll have a chance to, uh, to come back at the end of the game. So we didn't on Sunday. It didn't work out that way. But um, I think, you, you know, you try to stay as disciplined as you can throughout the game. So I heard your coach after the game. I heard a bunch of you guys in the locker room after the game. And it's obvious, DJ, you guys are frustrated, and rightfully so, with the way the last couple of weeks have gone. But you said it right at the start of this convo. It's a monster game on Sunday. Everything is still in front of your football team over the final four games of the year as far as trying to get into the postseason. So for you as the quarterback of the team and one of the leaders on the team, how do you kind of deal with the frustration of this losing streak over the last few weeks and kind of like turn the page and say, hey, listen, we're frustrated. We're not happy about what's gone down the last few weeks. But hey, it's all about Sunday. Like how do you mentally kind of go about making that transition? Not just for you, but you know, for other guys in the locker room who are dealing with that same sort of frustration? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of it's just conversation. A lot of it's, um, you know, how, how we're communicating to each other, how we go about our work. I think, you know, just overall the idea that, um, you know, we can't control these last few weeks. We haven't played our best ball. We've, we've let some situations get away from us. But uh, at this point where we are now, we, we have zero control or, can't do anything about that so you know what's important now and, and the opportunity we do have is uh this week and you know on sunday against washington and um you know everything we've we've wanted to accomplish at a, as a team is still out in front of us we have a chance uh still you know make the playoffs we, we put ourselves in a good position to control uh our own destiny so um you know this week's a huge step in that and, and that's what's important now um what's happened you know, obviously we want to learn from it and improve on it, but can't change any of it, can't control it. Uh, the only thing we can control is what we do, you know, from here on out. And, and uh, like I said, Sunday night's a huge opportunity to do that. So you played these guys two weeks ago. You ended up in a tie. They sat around last week. They got their bye week. Unfair scheduling, if you ask me. But there's nothing you guys can do about it. You guys have a schedule. They have a schedule. Now you guys match up in this monster game on Sunday night. Do you feel like, DJ, because of like the close timing proximity to your last matchup, there's uh, you know, the same sense of familiarity and what they're going to be throwing at you? Or do you almost look at it and say, mm, I can't put... How much stock, I guess I should say, are you putting into what you saw from Washington two weeks ago on film? I think you can put a, a good bit into it. Um, having played them, uh, you know, so recently and, and having that game to study what we did well, what we didn't do well, uh, what they did, how, you know, what their game plan was going in. And I'm sure they'll have some wrinkles. They'll have some things, um, that they may do differently in, in certain situations and, and we'll be prepared for that. But, 
largely, I think at this point, at this point in the season, with any team you play, you know for the most part what they're going to do. They're going to do what they're what they're good at and what they've had success with. And most teams have have an identity from that standpoint at this at this point in the year. So um, you know that, and, and you study that, and it's about who can who can execute um, better, uh, knowing that, knowing what the other team's going to do. So when you guys were winning games early in the year, compared to what has gone wrong for you, DJ, over the last couple of weeks. I know it's complex. I know there's a lot of things that go into it, not just for you, but for the team as a whole. But if there's one thing that the coaching staff has stressed, hey, we were doing such a good job of this early in the year. We haven't done as good a job of this these last couple of weeks. One, your opinion would be like that, that missing ingredient that's been lacking with you guys these last few weeks. Is there something in particular? Um. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's one thing. I think, you know, it's, it's a general, a general thing. I think you could say is we just haven't made the, the opportune play down the stretch, um, you know, to, to win some of these games. So I think that's certainly been a piece of it is, is, uh, you know, early in the year, we we're coming up with, with timely plays and, and, um, you know, you know, making that, uh, you know, big play in the fourth quarter when it counted. And, and we haven't done that as much recently. So, um, you know, how to do that, you know, I think it, you know, it comes to, comes down to how we prepare each week and then just, just being ready for the moment. But, um, you know, we certainly got to find a way to do that. Well, DJ, the last time you played these guys, the wheels, they were churning, dude, you were making plays with your legs left and right. Um, I know you've told me multiple times throughout the year that the matchup and what you see as a quarterback is going to dictate how much you end up using your legs. Uh, DJ, I think a lot of Giant fans are going to want to see you make the plays with the legs yet again here on Sunday, man. Because, hey, I mean, the way I look at it is ain't broke, don't fix it against Washington. But do you expect them to try to do something to try to contain you a little bit more in the pocket, potentially? Um, uh, Maybe, yeah. I think uh, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I potentially, potentially they could, and, and we'll look at that. We'll see, you know, if there's anything they did late in the game, um, you know, but um, they're going to do what they do. You know, we're going to do what we do, and it's about who can execute better. Okay, so you mentioned to me early in the year, when you guys were churning, you know, it was the same restaurant, we were keeping the routine the same, you know, <laughs> we wanted good vibes. I totally get that. Like, for me, like, I'm, uh, I'm doing well, I'm – you know, I got a good streak going on the golf course, so I maybe winning a couple of bets. I like I like doing the same thing. I like keeping it in that like sort of frame of mind. Uh, are we changing any routines with you and the fellas trying to get something going? We going back to the old restaurants? Well, what's going on here this week? Um, yeah, we've uh, we've done a couple of different uh, things. We might go back, might go back, uh, go back to the same restaurant this week. I don't, I don't know. I haven't haven't decided uh, what we're going to do yet, but. Um, you know, I think, uh, you try to stick to a routine in, in as many places as you can and, and keep it consistent, but there's some super superstition element to it as well. Like I said. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to your Sunday night football introduction, you know, like when they show each of the players <laughs> and, you know, you got to say, Hey, Daniel Jones, you're going to. Are you going to show Duke some love or are you going to, are you going to get wonky and like give out, you know, like some guys give out like their high school or their hometown or you love Duke too much. I feel like you're going to give the Blue Devils some love in that intro, right? I think so. Yeah. 
so. How does so how does that work exactly? I've always wondered this. You know, like this is like a weird, random, I, I just thought of this now type of question. Do they come in, DJ, like Thursday or Friday and, and do that sort of stuff with you? Or is that all done in like July and August as far as those videos? Um, we do a bunch of stuff like right as we start training camp, um, a bunch of the, you know, media recording stuff. But I don't know if we did the, the Sunday night football piece of that, if that was looped in with the other stuff or not. So, um, uh, to be honest, I don't know. They could, they could. Come well, I was going to say, we're going to find out what I'll do is <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you what is said on Sunday when we report back next week, hopefully of course, after a giant win and, you could kind of give me like that insider trading info if you taped it on like Wednesday or Thursday or damn, it came from like July and I didn't even know what the hell I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't, I don't know. We, you know, we got a lot of, got a lot of new guys on the team. So I, I figure they probably do need to need to come this week and, and uh, do that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's been a challenge for you guys all year, churning in playmakers in and out. And listen, you're in the playoff race. You got a chance to go and make things happen here against the commanders and DJ. It's the grand stage of Sunday Night Football, dude. Do you look at that as a unique opportunity where, listen, it's the NFL. Everybody's watching your film. Everybody's watching to see what you're doing, whether it's at one or four. But there is something to be said for, like, that Sunday night, you're flexed into the game because it means so much, and you have, like, this grand national stage. Does that, like, uh, put a little extra pep in your step, or is it just business as usual? No, I think it does. I think... Uh, the opportunity to play on Sunday night is is uh, is an awesome one. I have you know I haven't played on Sunday night, so I'm I'm excited for that part of it. You watch it all the time, watch it as a kid, watch it uh, you know every week uh, still. So yeah, I think just that opportunity and and uh, you know a little little extra little extra hype for the game. I think that's uh, it's cool cool to be a part of. Do you guys? I feel like I do this sometimes when I look at like a football game and I'm trying to think of like a magic number that a certain team needs to hit in order to win. Like sometimes you think about it, if it's like an offensive shootout, you're like, wow, it's going to be a high scoring game. You got to get to this if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, let's say, or you're playing a great defense and it's like, if you can get to 20, you feel really good about your team's chances of winning. Do you, Go into a, I mean, listen, you want to score as many points as humanly possible. Like, I, I, I understand that. You want to score a touchdown every time you touch the ball. But, like, generally speaking, do you look at, like, a point total each week and say, hey, like, if we can get to, I don't know, 24, we can get to 21, I feel good about our team's chances of winning. Do you, like, kind of go into each week thinking that or not particularly? Not really. I mean, you hear uh... – yeah, some people talk about. Uh, I guess probably more, probably more media than people in the building. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think of it that way. To be honest with you, I think um, you know it makes sense from some standpoint looking at certain matchups. But um, me particularly, you know, I don't, I don't know if I think necessarily think that way. I don't know what that really helps you. You know, like you said, you're trying to score every time you touch it. So you know, setting the benchmark for what you need to hit. I, I don't know what that you know, how that would necessarily help me. So, yeah, I don't really think of it that way, but I can see how it makes sense. Fair enough. Uh, it's just something that, listen, this is what us media people wonder about. And by the way, you guys aren't going to wonder about this. They had uh, the political guy, Kornacki, on Sunday night last week. DJ, they are breaking down like, this is stuff that maybe you guys learn at Duke. They don't teach us this stuff <laughs> at Syracuse. These like permutations for all the teams, like, 
if you win this week, you're at like 80% to make the playoffs. If you lose this week, you're at like 35% chance to make the playoffs. Like you guys this week, they were saying, if you beat Washington, and listen, you have to obviously continue to win games and, you know, that's the way it goes. But like, if you win this week, your playoff chances are like 80%. Are you, you're, you're not paying any attention to this stuff, right? Like, I feel like it would make my head explode. Like if I was thinking about, oh, well, these, these, these numbers, and these, it drives me insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, uh, that's an interesting part of our game and kind of how it's evolved, especially like the last few years, you know, sports, sports are so unpredictable to me, you know, you can't, it's hard to put a stat on it, put a percentage on it, put a uh, number on it. And, um, you know, if you'd said before the season, what our playoff chances were, they would have been much lower than that. And there was some, you know, there was some long mathematical statistical, you know, equation to what our chances were then and it sounds good it looked good but you know sports are sports are unpredictable and, and uh you never know what's going to happen each week that's why everyone tunes in so um yeah i don't think we put a whole lot of stock in in, in those kind of stats um are you a big I, i've never asked you this question and it's just dawning on me now like thinking about all these numbers i, I feel like with baseball we've seen guys because of you know, like spin rate and like all, all sorts of weird wonky stats, try to use analytics to gain an advantage, to gain an edge. Is that something you can do as a quarterback? Like, or is it like, you know, like obviously the analytics of the game as far as certain chances of going for it. And, you know, that's stuff that your coaching staff and Brian Dable has to be far more aware of. But like for you, uh, do you pay any attention to that stuff or is it like, you know, kind of, kind of overblown from a quarterback's perspective? I think there's some stats uh, that can be helpful, you know, and some, some uh, pieces of the, of the whole analytic, uh, you know, approach that are, that are, that are helpful. But yeah, I mean, I don't put a ton of, ton of stock in that. I mean, those type of decisions, whether we're going to go for it, whether we're going to, you know, do this or that in, in certain situations or, um, luckily things I don't, I don't really have to worry about. So I don't, I don't put a whole, whole lot of time studying, studying those, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a place for them. I think there's, uh, it's helpful in certain situations, but, you know, like I said, largely, I think our game football is, is hard to predict. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many different things that can happen and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to think about all that. And I don't know, man, even with that Duke <laughs> education, you're selling yourself short there. You're selling it. Maybe with the Syracuse education, we could get away with that excuse. You, you guys can't get away with that at Duke. I'm sorry, DJ. You're not, not, not on my watch, bro. You're not getting yeah. away with that. Um, I do got to ask you to lighten the mood a little bit here. I know you're busy. You film, playoff race, all this stuff. Has there been any buzz in your locker room about White Lotus at all? Is that like starting to spread? Is that starting to go? I'm into it. I'm not going to lie. I was in a real pissy mood. Sunday did not go well for me. Uh, my picks, my Dolphins, you guys. Like, I was in a really down place, and thankfully I watched the finale and it put me in a better mood. Has that, ha- have you heard any rumblings of White Lotus conversation or no, not really? Um, not, a, not a ton in the locker room. Um, I've heard uh, my girlfriend watches this. She was telling me about it, and, and uh, I actually watched a couple episodes with her. It's interesting. Interesting. Did you, this uh, interesting season show. or the or the last season? This season. This yeah. season was way better. I didn't like the first season. I'm not gonna lie. Second season was yeah. was, was primo, dude. It was primo. But, 
yeah, it's a strange show. I, I can't say I've really watched much like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know the whole deal with it all, but, uh, interesting, uh, that's your that's your show though. That's your thing. Well, it's over now. I mean, now now I got to find something else to watch. That's the that's yeah. the problem. So like, what I are you, what are you going to now? You know what? Me and the lady actually got into Wednesday Adams. Wednesday, I've it's heard good, man. About that. Yeah, that's dude, it's good. I, if you would have told me I'd be watching Wednesday Adams, like I would have been like, get out of here. She saw the billboard. We saw it driving around the city. We're like, all right, we'll give this a chance. It's pretty good. It's fun. Is it? Yeah. All right. What's, you the, know, what's, it's a, the general, it's a, what's the general premise on it? Well, you Adam's family, the girl goes away to boarding school. You know, she's got all the magic, all the voodoo. Like, uh, she's got the thing, the hand walking around. Like, you would like that, dude, to kind of, like, distract defenders. Get them out of your face, yeah. man. Get a wide receiver <laughs> open. Maybe yeah. we could bring Thing down to D.C. this Sunday to help you out a little bit, you yeah. know? <laughs> there you go. Maybe. Hey, all the help you can get. Um, Final one here. You guys are going to beat the Commanders on Sunday. It's a monstrous game. You win this game. You guys are in really great shape for the postseason. Biggest key for you in the offense to get it going. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of the same things. It all, you know, it always is taking care of the ball, scoring, scoring uh, in the red zone, being good situationally. I think third down is a place we got to be better. We weren't great last week. We weren't great the week before uh, with some of that stuff. So I think we can we can improve there. Um, you know, staying on the drive, staying on the staying on the field, sustaining some drives, and and uh, finishing the end zone. But it's all the all the same stuff. It's about taking care of the ball and, and doing those things well. So if we do that, we'll uh, we'll have a chance to to win the game. And um, you know, we're excited, we're fired up to get down there. It's going to be a fun game Sunday, DJ. Can't wait to watch you in prime time. And I gotta leave you with this. So I got the big S and Y holiday party Thursday. <laughs> do I? And I value your style. Cause I see you, I, I you know, I see the uh, the Instagram posts. I'm like, my dude knows how to dress. Do I go with the classic quarter zip and go kind of basic and relaxed and you know, kind of stay uh, stay above the fray, or do I go bold and say screw it and rock the ugly sweater? Well, what do I do Thursday, <laughs> man? You're gonna be you're gonna be the deciding factor here, so no pressure. Um, I mean, I feel like you can wear the you can wear the basic quarter zip any day and any event, any occasion, but. This is a chance to wear your wear your ugly sweater and and uh, let that thing rock. I don't know. See, I think, I think you want true. me to stand out, man. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's what it boils down to. You want your boy to be the big hit at the party, one way or the other, saying what yeah. what in the, when God's name is this dude wearing? But he's standing out. Yeah, come on, it's your chance. It's your chance. I I think I bring both. I, I think I go in with the <laughs> ugly sweater, and if I decide enough is enough, you know, I, I have the opportunity to call the audible at the line of scrimmage, you know? Yeah, that's always a good option. Yeah, you got you got both of them. Well, DJ, I'll report back on that Thursday. Go get them on Sunday. Monstrous game. Can't wait for Sunday night. We'll be watching, and go get it done against the Commanders. All right, dude? All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. That's Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants. Peter King, our buddy, is up next. So we go from the quarterback of the New York football giants to one of my favorites. I usually read his column probably around 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. It used to be Peter back in the day when I was doing radio 3 30 and four in the morning. So I, I think it goes better with a coffee as opposed to like the green tea to try to fire you up throughout the course of the day. <laughs> but it's a pleasure to welcome you back to New York, New York. How are you, my friend? Everything's great, John. Great to be on with you. Thank you. Peter. Uh, what would the odds have been in August that for week 15, the most appealing and the juiciest game of the slate 
at least in my opinion, the Lions and the Jets. Sinking <laughs> it out one, Peter. Lions, Jets. To be honest, I wish it was the Sunday night game. Just throwing it out there. Hey, listen. The Sunday night game. I, I don't know what the NFL's doing, quite honestly. I mean, you know, they flexed to the Giants and the Commanders. I mean, with the Giants looking like they were headed downhill fast and the Commanders with zero offense, it, it just, I, I cannot figure out for the life of me why the Sunday night game is that game instead of Miami at Buffalo. Is that due to the fact, Peter, that they didn't want to put the Dolphins, let's say, in that Sunday night slot, back-to-back weeks, because they put the they Charger put the game Charger, there last they week? Put the Charger, they put the Chargers back-to-back, what, a month ago? That's true, with the Niners you know, in Kansas City. That's fair. I mean, it's... Look, here's the only reason why... You know, and I wrote this in my column this week. I don't ever get kind of ticked off about the schedule or think bad thoughts about the schedule or anything like that. I understand they have a thousand mouths to feed. But, John, here's the reality of the situation and why it's idiotic that it's the Giants in Washington on Sunday night instead of Miami and Buffalo. Miami and Buffalo is the game of the year in the AFC East. Okay. Washington and the Giants is for third place survival in the NFC East. And, you know, the reason, especially, why Miami and Buffalo should be on Sunday night instead of Saturday night is very, very simple. The NFL, two weeks ago, flexed the Miami Chargers game to Sunday night in L.A. So what they are now asking to do, asking Miami to do, is land at Fort Lauderdale Airport at 7.20 a.m. Monday. And for the coaches to all just go in their office, take a shower, and get going on the game plan uh, for Buffalo, which, by the way, is their biggest game of the year. Okay? So then they go in and they start doing their game plan. Meanwhile, they know that uh, we've got a short week. Not only do we not did we not sleep Sunday night, but now we have a short week. You could have played the game on Sunday night, which would give you an average week to a team that's exhausted coming back from the West Coast. You didn't do that. You you made it a short week. And look, I I, I mean this is not the biggest travesty. I've ever seen, obviously, will all live. But the NFL could easily have put Washington and the Giants in primetime Saturday and Miami and Buffalo in primetime Sunday. And that's what the league should have done. And they put Miami, to your point, at a competitive disadvantage. Listen, they also have a problem going up to Buffalo to begin with. They haven't won a game there since 2016. Buffalo is a tremendous defensive team. They stuck it to the Jets last week. And now Miami, after losing back-to-back games out West, and I know you were at that San Francisco game, Peter, they went from a team that on Sunday night, Collinsworth started the broadcast talking about them as a Super Bowl contender. There is now a legitimate path where you're talking about the Miami Dolphins missing the postseason altogether when you look at their schedule where they got New England in cold weather. They got 
Uh, Buffalo in cold weather. They have a tough jet team in week 18. Do me a favor, because I think the New York audience would love to hear this. I probably would, too, for my rooting interests. If you're going to rank percentage-wise, Chargers, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots for postseason, as we get ready for week 15, how would you stack up those teams? I don't think the Patriots are going to make it. They're, you know, they're seven and six right now. And they've got to play Cincinnati and Buffalo down the stretch. They might lose at Vegas this week. Um, But I don't think they're going to make it. I think the Jets are going to have a tough go because they could lose any of the three, Detroit, Seattle, and Miami. And then they got Jacksonville on that weird Thursday night game. And they've been spunky. They've been very spunky. And, you know, now you got... Uh, you got Trevor Lawrence playing like a legitimate first pick in the draft, um, y- you know, which he's really showing signs of of really improving under Doug Peterson. But but having said those two things, JJ, I I so I don't think I don't like New England, and I probably would pick the Chargers over the Jets because to me, so like if if you're going to pick three teams as wild card teams. It'd be whichever team doesn't win the North, Baltimore or Cincinnati. Um, I still think I have a belief in Miami, um, you know, to win two games down the stretch and make it in there. And then if you look at the Chargers, you know, you look at the way Justin Herbert just played and Collinsworth said at the end of that game, this is one of the best quarterback performances we've seen all year. And he was right. Um, and, you know, holding him up against Tua, you know, everybody two weeks ago would have said, man, Herbert and Tua, they're a coin flip. That's how good Tua has been this year. But you watch that game, you watch the last two games where uh, Tua has struggled mightily. He struggled mightily Sunday. He struggled against San Francisco. He was way off, but he did complete two bombs. But then again, that's all they did, you know, 17 points each week. But the the one other thing I was going to say about the Chargers is that, look, the Chargers, they got four games left. There are two road games are at Indianapolis and at Denver. And I mean, how do you not win those two games? I'm not saying they definitely will because you can't count on the Chargers to do anything, quite honestly. But I think I think that is a troublesome thing if you are uh the third and fourth team in the AFC East it's going to be tough for you to make the playoffs because of all the other teams that to me are uh, are a little bit more advent more advantaged down the stretch of this season where do you stand for the Jets moving forward at quarterback it's queer for the rest of this year, it's Mike White's team. I think we've seen the last of Zach Wilson, unless there's an injury. And then next year, you kind of run into this predicament, Peter, where they've drafted really well. They've made some really good moves. I mean, the Sam Darnold trade, the Jamal Adams trade. It's just brilliance from the GM. But it looks like they whiffed on the quarterback. Have you seen enough from Mike White? Or have you heard from people around the league who have told you, this, this might be legitimate. The Jets might want to keep moving forward with this guy as their quarterback, or do you see them next year as the team that's in the market for a Garoppolo or 
whoever it may be, Rodgers, Carr, whatever the disgruntled quarterback of choice may be. What do you I see think there's the Jets too much, There's too much we don't know about the last four weeks of this season. You know, I think it's fashionable to everybody to really be excited about Mike White. But, you know, let's be honest. You know, Mike White has been good. And compared to Zach Wilson, uh, he's been Johnny Unitas. But, but you know, but he hasn't been great. You know, he's been, he's been good. He's been good. But let's just say he continues on this path the rest of the way. They go two and two. They play pretty well on offense, but they don't make the playoffs. Let's just say. Robert Sala, I think, he basically disappears for six weeks. And when he shows up at the scouting combine uh, and he has his little press conference in Indianapolis, he said, we're going to open it up and uh, we're going to go to training camp with Zach Wilson and Mike White both being given an equal shot to win the job. Why not? Why not do that? I would not go outside the family right now. It's too early uh, to basically throw Zach Wilson out with the garbage. It just, you've invested too much. And he hasn't shown many signs, but he's shown enough signs that you say he might be the guy. We have our doubts. We have a lot of doubts, but he might be the guy. My feeling is you, you, you can't give up on him yet, but I'm also not handing him anything either. Very interesting. So you right now would say, if you will run the organization, bring the both of them back, open yep. competition, best man for the job. I think the problem you're going to run into, though, Peter, that locker room loves Mike White, and for whatever the reason, they don't like Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't You don't care. put any stock in that? I don't care. I mean, you know, tell those guys to be a general manager and say that, you know, however many games Zach Wilson has played, 15, I don't even know if it's that many. I, I truly don't know. But uh, how, however many games he's played, oh, okay, we're giving up on a guy who was the second pick in the draft and who, by the way, the Jets weren't the only team to love Zach Wilson going into that draft. And it's a classic case. John, it's like what Geno Smith told me a couple of months ago. <clears throat> he said the biggest problem that the NFL has by far is being quick to decide about quarterbacks. He goes. Look at Peyton Manning after one year. Did you think he'd be great? Look at Steve Young after one year in Tampa. Did you think he'd be great? Look at Troy Aikman one year in, in Dallas when they were 1-15 in 15 and nobody really knew if it was going to be him or Steve Walsh. You know, it, you can't throw these guys out so fast. You've got to give them time. Look, can you imagine if Terry Bradshaw today was if the if the if the the knee jerk reaction they were yanking him in out of when, games oh we'd be yeah, going nuts can you we'd imagine Terry Bradshaw would uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw not only wouldn't have won four Super Bowls he probably would have been out of the league after three years and he would have been given up on he might have gotten a couple more chances but he was so mentally beat up by that time that I can't imagine that anybody would say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 give a shot to Terry Bradshaw. So that's the problem. So if players don't like it, we say, hey, listen, players play, coaches coach, general managers manage. You guys do your job. We're not gonna play Zach Wilson if he stinks. Okay. But we're also not giving up on Zach Wilson 
after the equivalent of one year of playing after making him the second pick in the draft. It's very interesting. Speaking of a quarterback that now is, you're kind of facing a crossroads if you're the franchise at the end of this year. It's the guy I have on the show every week, Peter. It's Daniel Jones, who to me has shown improvement with Brian Dable. He has not turned the football over nearly as much as he has in years past, but Let's be honest, the Giants from a talent base, I mean, the Eagles, if they really wanted to, could have scored 60 points on them last week. I mean, the Eagles' talent compared to what the Giants are working with to apples and oranges, it's not fair to compare, but you got to make a decision. They did not pick up his option. They're not going to be picking at the top of the draft, but seems like a quarterback that you're intrigued by. Can Can you do more with him if you put some talent around him? I would make the argument, the answer to that question is yes. Do you get the sense Daniel Jones next year back with the New York Giants, at least on a short-term deal? I cert- That's exactly what I would do. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. I'd be surprised. Now, look, I have no idea what Daniel Jones is thinking. Maybe he thinks I'm going to play hard to get. They, if they want to franchise me, fine. But, uh, it, you know, I'd be happy hitting the market. And I have absolutely no idea. I kind of think not on that. but. You know, let's let's just be honest about, uh, you know, about Daniel Jones and what he's had around him. Okay, so I looked a little bit earlier today and you see that his best two wide receivers this year. Okay, and I'm not I'm not counting James because he's just a I'm not belittling him, but he's really just a guy. All right. If you look at Slayton and Wandale Robinson, you know, now obviously is out for the year. Okay. Those guys between them have been pretty good. Darius Slayton, I think, has been really fairly impressive. He's caught 35 balls in uh, 13 games. I mean, Wandale Robinson, when he was in there and he was hurt a lot, he only caught 23. But I can, I, I, I will just say that to me, uh, the New York Giants had far and away the worst wide receiver talent in football coming into this year. They had a bunch of tight ends who weren't household names in their own households, you know. And so <clears throat> you tell me what quarterback had a tougher task coming into this year than Daniel Jones. Add to that, JJ, the fact that John Mara loves Daniel Jones and feels that. His organization has done nothing to help him in four years. Nothing. So personally, I'd be surprised unless Daniel Jones drove a hard bargain, which he would not be smart to do. Unless Daniel Jones drove a hard bargain, I'd be surprised if the Giants didn't have him back. And the sense I get, Peter, even though the last couple of weeks have been humbling from a Giant perspective, I almost feel as if, they're playing with house money the rest of the way here. I know the coach doesn't want to hear that. I know guys on a team, and maybe the fan base doesn't want to hear that. I thought they were a six-win team if they were lucky. They were in the playoff race. They're playing meaningful games in December. Their coach seems like he gets it. The GM comes from Buffalo. It seems like he gets it. First time in a long time. I feel better about this state of affairs with the Giants. Look, I would feel really good about the Giants if two things weren't the case, they got a bunch of cap issues uh, and, and one and being one year removed is not going to fix everything. It's, it's helpful. It's helpful, but it's not like 
they're going to be able to go solve all their problems, especially if they go and sign Daniel Jones to, let's say, a three-year manageable money contract. But the other thing that bothers me is that in the last four weeks, where there's 0-3-1, their defense has given up 32 points a game. And, you know, their defense is why they were winning earlier this year. But the Lions fricasseed them at, at MetLife. The Eagles fricasseed them at MetLife. And, and, I mean, so how good are the Giants really on defense? That is the thing that would concern me right now. But again, I I cannot believe this team is seven five and one. Just That's can't crazy. believe it. No, it's neither. why if I had to if I had to vote today, just today, the you know the fourteen week uh, coach of the year, it would still be Brian Dable uh, over Dan Campbell uh, over Mike McDaniel. It'd be Brian Dable because I challenge any coach to get seven wins in uh, 13 games out of this group. Okay. You were in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. You're a great historian of the NFL. Is there a comparison that you can think of, Peter, off the top of your head? Brock Purdy, mystery <laughs> relevant, stepping into this team that, let's be honest, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. It's like getting a chance to drive the Ferrari, the Porsche, whatever your sports car of choice may be. And I know he's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, but Debo Samuel when he's there, Christian yeah. McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Shanahan with the flat brim calling the plays, that defense. The only thing I could think of in my like years as a fan, Sean King, but the offense wasn't nearly as good. Like Sean King stepped in in Tampa. He had the great defense. Tony Dungy was there, made it to an NFC title game. Do you see any similarity, comparison, any quarterback situation with Purdy? I mean, it's silly to talk about because on both sides, but, you know, when Brady stepped in, nobody thought, you know, after Bledsoe got hurt against the Jets, nobody thought that Brady was going to be any good, really. And he was just going to be a hold the fort guy. By the end of the year, you know, Bledsoe, who was the highest paid player in football that year, uh, Bledsoe was out because Brady had done enough to win the job. And look, it's way too early. One and three-quarter games or whatever, one game and 53 minutes of the other one, uh, it's just way, way, way too early. But if you think about it, you know, he's basically put, I think I'm right, he's put 57 points up in one and three-quarter games. And uh, that's really good. You know, I mean, obviously. And so I think the reason, you know, Kyle Shanahan told me this last week. He said, look, he said, I just, by the time you get to that point in the draft and you're just trying to pick somebody who you think might be able to help you. And we had excellent reports on him. And one of the things that he said to me, he says, look up his college stats. So I did. John, he started 48, he played 48 games in the Big 12. 48. That means you're playing in front of 90,000 at Austin, um, 80,000 or whatever it is at Norman. You know, at all these, all these places that are really, really big time college football places. And I'm not saying that he was good enough to win there. Or any, I, I, 
I don't even know what he did in college, really. But I know that he played 48 games in the Big 12. And that's one of the things that blew away the Niners so that, hey, you want to take a chance in the seventh round with uh, a quarterback because you really need a depth. They thought when they drafted him, he'd be a practice squad, practice squad quarterback. And he got there and he was better than Nate Sudfeld. So they let Nate Sudfeld go and they gave him the number three job. And then what's telling is that when Trey Lance got hurt, they didn't go out and get two or three guys and see who might come in to replace Brock Purdy. They kept Brock Purdy as the backup. That's how much they like him and trust him. So I think he's a he's got a chance. Now, you know, your good buddy Chris Russo asked me earlier in the day today, he goes, Do you trust, do you trust Brock Purdy in a big spot going into Lincoln Financial Field in January? I said, I I I don't know. I mean, can we let How can the you next, know? Right now, nobody can knows. Let, can we let the next four weeks play out? Well, because, Peter, I can't wait to see him Thursday in Seattle. That's yeah, a kitchen yeah. sink game for the Seahawks. First yeah, road exactly. test. That's not an exactly. easy place to play. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think I know the answer to this question. Miami, Buffalo going to be your destination this weekend? Or are you going to No, Tampa I'm not Bay? going to any games. I'm, I'm staying home. Uh, and I don't watching, blame you. Watching him at home, yeah. I don't blame yeah, you. I Listen, don't, Buffalo you know, and a John, snowstorm is the best. I don't go to that many games anymore. I've only been to four all season. And I'll go to games in the playoffs probably every weekend. But, I mean, the way my column is these days, it's really better. Like, when I went to that 49ers game uh, a couple of weeks ago, I loved it. I love. I mean, I love spending 20 minutes with Kyle Shanahan and and, you know, 10 minutes with this guy I never heard of. Well, I heard of him, but... Brock Purdy, I, I I never met him. Obviously, looks like he's seventeen years old. Um, but I, I, you can't do that sitting on the seventh floor of your apartment building in Brooklyn. You, you got to get out there sometimes. So I love doing it, but there's a certain disadvantage if you devote eight hours of watching a game, writing about a game, and then trying to catch up on everything you missed in the other whatever it is twelve games. You're going to blow a lot of stuff, which I did that weekend. And and so I try most weeks to just sit here and try to monitor every game I can and talk to people afterwards. All right. Uh, you got to get to the bottom of this for me because I can't figure out what happened to my team Sunday. The game you went to, yeah. two of Miss Rose left and right. It happens. What are you going to do? The Chargers defense stinks, Peter. How, Brandon Staley, give him credit, because I didn't see a team all year do that to the Miami Dolphins. Was it, okay. and it's not as simple as taking away the middle of the field, right? Everybody's tried to do that on Miami. No, I think, I I do think that, I, I'm just going to tell you this. So on Sunday, uh, when I was in Santa Clara, uh, I, uh, I talked to, before the game, I talked to Dan Orlovsky. I'm a big Orlovsky fan. Me too. And I, I, like him a lot. I talked to Orlovsky and uh, one of the things, I said to him, if you're a defensive coordinator, how do you play Tua right now? He goes, jam the middle of the field. Don't, he's made so many great throws. And do you realize, JJ, even though he missed two and a half games, the quarterback who leads all quarterbacks in the NFL this year, according to Next Gen Stats, with throws that travel more than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage in the middle third of the field between the hash marks, okay? The quarterback who has more 
deep completions in the middle of the field. It's Tua Tonga-Valoa. And so he doesn't have that many deep completions, not even close, going to either his left or his right outside the numbers on out routes, okay? So you would think, okay, let's stop him. Let's do everything we can. And if you watched, even though they were out with, they were without Derwin James, if you watch the way the Chargers played them, I think they basically said to, to Tua, okay, let's see your arm on throwing the 18-yard the out here. Because when you throw an 18-yard out, you're probably seven or eight yards behind the line anyway. So you're throwing the ball 25 yards down the field and then maybe another uh, 25 yards to the sidelines. So you're making a long throw. And I think teams are ch- going to start to challenge to his arm uh, on out routes. That's how I kind of see it. And Orlovsky texted me on Monday. He goes, what did I tell you when we were talking last week? Said, that's how the Chargers played this game. And, and I think he's absolutely right. And look, Mike McDaniel is really, really smart. Tua is a great competitor. They will figure it out. I'm not saying they're, that they're going to continue to be great, but I do think they'll figure it out to be good enough down the stretch um, to, to maybe not starting this week, but I think in the last three weeks at least, they're going to show a little rebirth on offense and they'll be better. Final one. You love the schedule. I love the schedule. Week 17, they got the Rams and Chargers. It will mean something for the Chargers, more than likely. It's going to mean nothing for the Rams, but there's that Baker Mayfield, Battle of L.A., whatever the case may be. Seattle and the Jets, Dolphins and the Patriots. I think CBS has Minnesota Green Bay 425. That's got to go, Peter. I'd rather a different game there. Do you think they flex out of the Battle of L.A.? My gut feeling is yes. But I also think that one of the things the NFL has to concern itself with is um, they like to leave games open for the last week of the season um, that so that they can make any pick they want. They don't like to go into the last week thinking that uh, we owe this team this or we've had this team on too much in prime time. So my gut feeling is that they move that game unless, unless, and this is possible now, if, ba- if Baker Mayfield lights it up in Green Bay this weekend, if he does, I think it's a Monday night game. If he lights it up in Green Bay, they might leave it there because it's a weird, not real rivalry, but rivalry game. And the Chargers are going to need that game desperately. So we'll see. Peter King, love the column. Continued success. Thanks for stopping by. It's always good seeing your face. Hopefully I'll see you week 18. I am going uh, South Florida. So I'll have a little tan. Hopefully I'll bring the golf clubs. And I'll probably need like uh, a lot of, uh, what's the word? Just something to bring me down. I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't do Xanax, Dramamine. I don't know. Like maybe a stiff Okay, listen, if you're, I, there, if you're there and I'm there, I will buy you three beers and we'll get you nice and mellow Saturday night. 
I like the sound of that, Peter. Always good seeing you. Happy holiday season to you and the family, all right? Thanks, JJ. Take care. So that'll wrap things up. A lot of football in here. Hey, home stretch. Week before Christmas. Quarterback of the Giants, Peter King. Heavy hitters on this show. That's what we do around here. We got a Knicks same game parlay tomorrow for the Bulls game. Nationally televised game. I'll be in the lab. Check that out. FanDuel Sportsbook on Wednesday. And then, as I told you earlier, we're dropping the pod early on Thursday. Why might you ask? The big SNY holiday poll. So I want to get everything taken care of. And then I could maybe be doing the Elaine Bennis dance on the dance floor at the SOI uh, Christmas party. So Beningo, Art Dice, Cats, they'll join us like they do every football Thursday, Friday show. The Walkout Warrior really stepped up here. I want to thank him. I want to thank Stefan. We're back Thursday early. JJ out. Enjoy your Wednesday. Be good, everybody. <laughs>